very much implied, very much in the, very much the ideology that if you didn't really mean it, if you didn't feel enough remorse, if you weren't truly sorry, if you didn't feel bad enough, I could go on and on of <laughs> different things of not doing it right, essentially, that God would not forgive you of that sin, right? Uh, we had to truly repent. I remember many times uh, hearing that, you know, true repentance. And as I got a little bit older and started dealing with uh, personal life and, and some things that I was, that the Holy Spirit was, was showing me as sin, I was recognizing sin in my life, I would ask for forgiveness. Oh, I'd feel really guilty. I'd ask God for forgiveness. And then I wouldn't know if I had been forgiven because in my head, there was some kind of time frame. Either I had to really, really, really feel bad enough, have enough shame and sorrow, or I had to really, really show r- repentance. And I didn't know when that happened. Like, when when have I repented? When is it enough time uh, for God to say, hey, you've, you've repented, uh, I forgive you of that sin? And it really bothered me for some time. And one day I asked my dad, how can I know for sure if God has forgiven me? And his answer blew my mind. He said, Nick, you're already forgiven. Your sins were paid for the moment you accepted Christ into your life. And and in order to receive that forgiveness, uh, you uh, already did it. There, There's no more confessing and repentance and asking for forgiveness in order to receive that, that forgiveness. Um, you know, you sin... That sin's not forgiven until you ask. That's not true. That sin's already been paid for and forgiven. The confession and the repentance and even asking for forgiveness, that's... I've, I've talked to people where they, that's how they feel that it's best. They feel like they need to or, or it's God wants them to or, or whatever it is. And you feel the need to confess it to God. That's fine. I'm not saying that that's wrong or that you don't have to. I'm saying... That's not what gets you forgiven, right? So this was just awesome news to me, and it made me realize that grace, the truth of grace, like I said, is kind of rebelling against what the church is traditionally teaching. Um, and so I really, really resonated with that, right? So um, when I got into high school, and uh, into the first year of college or so, uh, I was leading worship more often and uh, leading it in my youth group. I was leading it for different events and things uh, within the church. And uh, after high school, I got a job uh, part-time at a church leading worship. And I was very passionate about what I thought it should look like, what I thought worship was. And was using uh, the the rebelliousness of grace to say, we don't have to do this uh, traditional way of doing things. Uh, Worship doesn't have to be boring singing to a piano hymn. It can be, but it can be a little bit more passionate, a little bit more emotional, a little bit more genuine, right? And so I was... I had very high expectations set for myself and for other people around me, and I was very um, 
insistent on, you know, perfection in a way. And this striving for perfection in worship and ministry uh, in my spiritual life brought me uh, a lot of conflict, sometimes good, sometimes bad, most of the time bad. Um, And it was a cause, it caused me to be against people a lot. Instead of acting in grace and showing it to others, I did the opposite. Now when I look back and I, I see what God's grace does for us, um, I see that the way I handled myself and the way I treated other people was um, didn't have the compassionate and patient side of grace. It just had the rebellious side of grace. Well, let's look at, I want to look at God's grace. Well, what is God's grace to us? Because of grace, our expect, uh, excuse me, the expectations have been met by Jesus. He fulfilled the law. He took away the requirement of works-based righteousness. Jesus met the standard and imparted his obedience onto us so that we don't have to measure up to God's expectations. It also shows compassion to us and love. When we mess up and start acting like the old self, God embraces us with love. He is compassionate to us. He is patient with us, and he lets us walk at our own pace. And if you are in ministry or even just in your church, how can we reflect this same type of grace to the people around you, the people on your teams, other members of your church, or even people of other churches? How can we get along and show people this same type of grace? Well, what do, <laughs> what is the church's grace? That we looked at God's grace, the church's grace. Like I said earlier, the way churches interact with people and treat people has been an issue causing some people to uh, walk away. And sometimes the church is wrong, sometimes the person is wrong, but still, when we don't show grace, whether we're correcting behavior or uh, trying to treat people a certain way, uh, if we're not extending and acting in grace, then it can cause people to walk away and uh, just lose their faith altogether. Churches and pastors, in just in general, not not all, obviously, but churches have a reputation for focusing on the behavior of people what is right? What is wrong for Christians to do? And then when the imperfection and the human inability to be righteous comes out, how we handle that will make a huge difference. We can have someone who is in the church and they're dating someone and they're living together or, or they uh, get pregnant. How do we handle that? Well, obviously uh, that's not God's design to have uh, relations before marriage. It's not God's design to uh, live together before marriage. Um, But do we treat that person like an outcast? Or do we treat them with grace and say, hey, we still love you. Not, we still love you, but it's, we still love you. God still loves you. God still accepts you. You're still righteous in his eyes because that's not who you are. This doesn't change your identity in Christ, and that's what it's all about. You have to look at them in light of God's new identity that he has given them. So let's think 
are we holding people to a higher standard or considering them righteous in Christ? Are we showing compassion and love or are we passing judgment, demanding repentance? Is it, um, you know, a conditional kind of forgiveness? Like, will we forgive you or we accept you or we still love you, uh, but you need to do this, you need to do that. When I was in high school, I remember um, I started to really see some differences in what you know my parents were teaching me in grace and seeing it in the Bible and then seeing what the youth pastor or the lead pastor or whoever uh, was teaching. And it wasn't like inherently uh, false doctrine, but it was just slightly wrong, I guess you could say. It was... Uh, very much focused on um, your works and right or wrong and you can't be a Christian if you are doing wrong things right I understand that I am probably not saved if I'm constantly just living in uh, sinful desires and just doing whatever I want I'm probably not saved however I don't think that means that we are not a Christian if we mess up, if we sin every day. And that's kind of how they would teach it. Was It was like, if you are doing this constantly, then you're not a Christian. Well, define that. Define doing it constantly. Because wait, aren't we all not perfect? Aren't we all uh, relying on God's grace and Jesus' um, obedience to be considered righteous by our faith and not by our works. Well, that's all the time we have for the Grace and Full podcast today. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two of Grace in the Ministry. My name is Nick, and I hope you'll check us out on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, or you can visit our website at graceandfull.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.